All right. Good morning and welcome. You've got Dustin Atwood and Miss Sarah. How are you doing this morning? I'm good. How are you? Good. Good, good. I know we have some questions and and we'll hopefully work to those in a little bit if that's okay. That is fine. So I wanted to start out. I had a couple of things happen in the shop this week and I wanted to get your perspective on it. I had two instances. One was where the battery icon came on for a customer and they kept driving it until it had stalled. They were stuck somewhere when they called me. But they had told me it had been coming on for a couple of days previously. And I'm sure you're familiar with that. It looks like a little battery. It's red. And then, you know, everybody out there listening, I'm assuming, is also familiar with the, you know, kind of orangish yellow check engine light. Mm -hmm. And then your tire pressure monitor kind of looks like an upside-down horseshoe. But the perspective, I guess, that I'm, I'm asking about today is when it is when a light comes on, A... What's your first reaction? And B, um, do you know the difference in the colorations of urgency? Does that make any sense? Am I explaining this right? Yes. Um, Okay, so first off, my first thought is um, something I can't say on the radio. Yes, yes. (laughs) Um, But it is a little bit of a panic Mm -hmm. because my mind automatically thinks, what is wrong with my vehicle? Especially if I'm driving while it happens. Like, is this something that's going to break right away? Do I need to pull over? Mm -hmm. I'm in the middle of traffic. How do I get over? Sure. Um, And then I don't let it typically go on for too terribly long. Okay. Um, I'm in this really bad habit of immediately calling, like, one of three people. <laughs> sure. You happen to be on that list. Well, good. I take that yes. as a huge compliment. You know, it's it's funny, um, kind of veering off here. I was talking to, I gosh, I can't remember who it was the other day, but we were talking about my old Dodge Stratus that I had. I remember, yes. And one time it broke down on the way to work. Now, when I work in the mornings, I work really, really yes. early. Typically, I am up at 4 a.m., and then I am on the road um, somewhere between 4.45, 5 a.m., somewhere sure. in that uh, range. Well, my car had broken down, um, like, right on the outskirts of Springfield. And this was several years ago. And I remember I called you. And um, I think it was, like, maybe 30 minutes later you called me back mm-hmm. and was like, I am so sorry because I didn't know what to do. <laughs> so right. um, you were my panic call. Well, I appreciate that. And <laughs> And that's really important to to know what you're going to do when you get in that situation. The big thing that I hope to share with people today is the color of the light makes a big difference. Yes. Okay. So if it's the orange color, you know, you need to make plans, but, you know, typically that won't leave you stuck or cause catastrophic damage. The red icons are the breakdown icons. Okay. So if it's a a battery light, which typically um, it reflects low voltage that the system is not working. And in this instance, that's kind of what happened. They were running on battery power for like two days and then made a trip. uh, I think they did live a little north of Springfield into town to have dinner. They barely made it to where they were having dinner and the car stalled. And that's the phone call that I got. And so we got it taken care of. They were on about their way. No big deal. Um, But it, it gave me this idea that when it's a red light, which would be typically, and this is probably not a complete list, but the red battery, the red overheat lamp, if you ever see that one come on, immediately start trying to find a safe place. And then the red warning brake light. Those are your most common red ones. Everything else warning light typically is going to be, hey, this needs attention soon. 
Does that make any sense? Does that help? You think people, you know, need to know that information? Is is that the only two colors? Most of the time. Um, some of your European vehicles will have some blue lights as okay. they heat up. Um, but typically that's, you know, the red is where you need to seek attention immediately or or get the vehicle over and stop, whether it's call a tow truck or phone a friend or, or whatever it is in that case. Um, because if you continue to go with the red lights on, whether it's any of the three that I talked about, I can't think offhand of any more that will typically be red. Um, but those are the ones that you really, I don't want to say get the panic moment now, but their urgency level is very high. The orange or yellow colored ones across the board, you just need to make an appointment, get it in and get it taken care of. So, the other ones will cause a lot more damage as well, and that's where the price, you know, nobody, at least I, I know, nobody I know thinks, oh, great, you know, my car's super broke. It's going to cost a lot of money. <laughs> it's just not not the world we live in. Now, if you're getting custom wheels and tires or dual exhaust or something, that's cool. So um, you've been a part of the show for a long time, kind of in the back uh, I don't want to say the background. I don't know. What do you say about a producer? Is that just, is that how you yeah, put it? Yeah, I am on the, shadows? the other side of the board. While sure. You, while you were behind the microphone. So as you've been a part of the show for a long time, you've experienced a lot of our thoughts and philosophies and whatnot. Um, has that changed your mindset about car trouble? It has. I... Like I have mentioned, probably every show from here till I was, you know, first starting as your producer, mm -hmm. I don't know a lot about vehicles. And that's okay. And the light thing, I didn't know that. I didn't know there was a difference of colors, so I learned something new already this morning. Um, but yeah, I definitely keep an open mindset of okay. just different car maintenance. I take a little bit better care of mm -hmm. my car because I really don't want to you know, spend thousands of dollars on it on repairs that could have, you know, maybe mm -hmm. cost me three, four hundred bucks here. Sure. That's a lot easier to save up for. Oh, yeah. That's a lot easier to fix and maintain versus, you know, come up with X amount of money right here, right now. Yeah. So does that make you feel better? Like the more that you feel like you know, if you will, and I'm not asking you to be a technician for me or anything, but the more that, you know, we talk about it and, and you know, maybe understanding some of the systems that, you know, if this light comes on and it's this color, it's more urgent. You know, that's really what the show has been about. And I hopefully that comes through easily for everybody to understand. I don't want to just get on here and like preach, you know, gloom and doom and your car's going to, you know, have a fit. I want you all to be educated. And that's that's what this is about. I, I know nobody would do it, but in a perfect world, when you get a new car, there would be somebody that's very well uh, versed on those systems and trains you on that car. I can't be the only one, and I don't want you guys to think I'm old and not up with technology because I'm not. But no matter how young you are, when you get a new cell phone, there's a steep learning curve there, even if you've been using the similar generations earlier. It's the same thing now with your cars. I have folks all the time come in and I will talk about a feature um, or a benefit of the car and they're like, oh, I didn't know it would do that. And I'm like, yeah, that's where this is located, where the spare tires located, the jacks located, where you check your oil, all that stuff. A lot of folks just, you know, unfortunately maybe don't get up on the front side of that and then they deal with the back side of it. And I don't know if you've ever been in the waiting room and had to have one of us talk about a large repair somebody wasn't expecting 
Um, that's not fun on the the service advisor or the technician side, let alone the customer side. No, not at all. Have you ever had to deal with that? Or for the most part, I think we've kept your vehicles in pretty good shape. There was one or two times where we we didn't have to do a major repair, uh-huh. but we talked about some things that are leading up to a major yeah. repair. And I'm pretty sure that we've gotten all of those little things uh, fixed within the last couple of months. That's fantastic. I'm very happy to yeah. hear that. And that's a good peace of mind for you. Um, you know, even me, sometimes things happen. I carry some diagnostic equipment with me all the time, even if we're taking a trip with the family. But I get that same uneasy feeling you were talking about earlier when a, a, fun, a funny light or an unexpected light comes on. You know, I get that nervous, like, you know, kind of deal, like, what's going on here? And not always is that preventable, but the good majority of the time, it is definitely preventable. Um, and that's really what we're about. You know, we do heavy line repair. I'm sure you've seen some large jobs when you've doing some photography stuff for us at the, at the shop level. Um, and that's a big part of our business, but that's not our main philosophy and focus to keep people informed on how to take care of a late model vehicle. So we've talked, and you and I have done several shows so far about buying a new car right now with how hot the market is. Um, It makes it that much more important to be informed. So would you say in the next five years you all plan to buy a new car? Definitely. We plan on buying um, something with four-wheel drive Mm -hmm. and something that's going to have a little bit more room, probably either an SUV or a truck, Sure. probably leaning more towards the truck. We just mm-hmm. purchased a house out in the country. And so thank you. Uh, we had our home inspection and it went great, awesome. by the way, for everyone who Fantastic was interested news. in that. Um, so yeah, we definitely are going to need something that can handle the snow, that mm-hmm. can handle the ice a little bit better, that can handle extra miles if we have to drive out of the way if roads are flooding. Mm-hmm. So we're definitely going to need something that is reliable, something that has four-wheel drive, and just something that we can keep for quite some time. Sure. Well, so what do you think, and this is a little bit of an open-ended question, about the cost or the investment that that's going to be for you? Uh, You know, I'm kind of like half and half on it. I see some of the prices of new and even pre-owned trucks, and it's like, oh my goodness, this is crazy for me yeah Yeah, it's steep um but then i also know that we could definitely get a lot of usage and a lot Mm -hmm. of love out of a a vehicle for you know hauling things and um you know just driving to and from the safety of that so it's kind of like both pro and con well and the reason that i bring that up and i know we're coming up on a break here pretty quick but typically you know in in your your guys's case you're making a very large purchase right now your primary or, or primary and secondary largest purchases are typically your cars, and they're not getting any cheaper by any means. So I want to make sure that we're doing our best to keep you all informed so you can prevent some of those stuff. Sarah and I will be right back after the break. All right, welcome back. A1 Custom Car Care. You've got Dustin Atwood and Sarah here in the studio we were talking about investments, and this is not a financial uh, show. I hope that's – I know I talk about that a lot, um, but I, I deal on the the flip side of that where folks come in and we're trying to work our best basically situation for their car, for the customer, so they can continue doing what they need to do, and for your pocketbook. 
Um, there's a lot of folks out there, me included. I'm always trying to spend my money on new, cool, shiny things. Um, you know, the tool truck comes by. I'm a sucker for it, so I cannot help but continue to buy something new and cool. On the back side of it, I'm not necessarily always thinking about, oh, I probably should save this money and have like a automotive or car repair fund. I, I think the reality is a lot of folks don't do that. If you do and are one of those people, that's awesome. You are definitely in a minority, I guess. I think that's great. But a lot of people we see and we have to do our very best to work with what it is that, uh, you know, fits them. You know, I want to make sure and do the right repairs in the right manner for the car. But I, I also understand that that's not just an open budget. It's not just, oh, you know, make it rain and, and let's, uh, you know, put some spinny wheels on here just because. It just, you know, I, I get that. The people we deal with here at our shop, they get that too. That's the world they live in. So keeping you all informed and protecting your investment is one of the main focuses that we do. I know um, me personally, a lot of times 10 years is what I want to get out of a vehicle at a minimum. Um, now, that's not a new vehicle. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. It's typically a used or pre-owned vehicle. A lot of times mine have been broken before I got them and I fix them and I want 10 more years out of them. So I'm doing my best to get them up to par as quickly as possible and then maintain them to get that 10-year lifespan. So if you think about that, you know, most car loans, now I'm not talking about the crazy $70,000, $80,000 SUV and truck market. Most car loans are three to seven years. So if you can get anywhere, let's say an average of five years out of that vehicle without having to make a car payment, not having to purchase another car and pay crazy amounts of sales tax, that's a big deal. Miss Sarah, do, do I sound old that I complain about sales tax all the time? Does that make <laughs> me sound like an old man? No, not at all. Well, I go into the DMV quite often because I'm always buying some kind of used, broken down something or other. And I sit there and I see people, I mean, they're forking out, which, you know, you've bought cars. I never plan on spending $1,200 on sales tax before I can get my tags. It's infuriating. It's yeah. it's unbelievable. I've, speaking of DMV, I have to go in there. Aha. Uh -huh. In the next couple of weeks, and I've been putting it off because I'm dreading it. Yes. It is. It's crazy, especially right now with everything that's going on in the world climate. Um, that is, I went by the one there by Food for Less the other day, and they were lined up outside. I, uh, I, didn't even get out of my truck at that point, and I drove to Republic and was like, yeah, I was in and out of there in about 10 minutes. Yeah. That, that's a trade secret. So don't everybody go to Republic because then it'll be busy down there too. But that's a big deal. So if you can get an extra – how long do you want to keep your car? I'm assuming you're going to keep this car a little while. You've had it a while now. Yeah. So my – I don't have it paid off yet. It was a 72-month loan. Mm -hmm. So that's, what, six years? Yeah something like that. So I would definitely like to enjoy it after that. So probably that 10-year mark, yeah. if I can if I can make it. And most people I don't think enjoy that very much. I see a lot of folks that still maybe owe or they're almost at the end of it and they get something happen and they don't, you know, have the ability to deal with it. But what they have the ability to do is run back and get into full-blown 72 months of debt again. And I get it. You know, I'm, I'm not saying I, I don't, I'm not just making it rain here either. You know, I don't have disposable income of that kind. 
And I don't foresee that being an option for most people. And that's cool. There's nothing wrong with that. But if we can kind of turn that over a little bit and you get another, say, three to five years out of your car paid off, you know, no, uh, not any large trouble with it because you maintained it on the front side. Because that's really the biggest thing and one of the biggest things that I don't think a lot of people are educated about is they think they need oil changes. I'm sure you were ingrained at that when you started driving, you change your oil, right? Yep. Well, what else did they tell you that you had to do to care for the car? Tires probably, hey, you need to put tires on Mm -hmm. it once in a while. Yep. My dad actually taught me that before I had like learned how to drive Mm -hmm. or before I was able to drive on my own, I had to know how to change my own oil. And I had to be able to change my own tire. Yep. And that that was ba- my basic maintenance that I learned. So we have uh, two kids that have started driving, and we've got one just about ready to go. That was one of our prerequisites is they had to come out to the shop. We had to change the oil on their car and then uh, the equipment and know what to do with it to change a tire. But what a lot of people don't know, and the biggest reason we have repair work in the shop hands down is if you don't take care of the rest of those systems, everybody knows if you don't change your oil, the engine blows up, right? That's a pretty pretty common understanding. The rest of those systems do the same thing. So if you don't ever service your brake fluid ever, well, when you come in for brakes, we're going to have a talk and it's, hey, it's not just a brake job. It's going to be $1,200 because you've got to put calipers, hoses, rotors, pads, master cylinder, and ABS unit. I'm just picking a bunch of stuff here because that's what happens. Power steering system. Oh, my power steering's not working quite right. Well, I look at the fluid and it's black as the ace of spades. Well, yeah, your rack and pinions now tore up your power steering pump and the lines are leaking. That's twelve to fifteen hundred bucks about any day of the week. Nobody thinks about that kind of stuff. Transmission, transfer case, rear end, differential, etc. However, the folks that do that, um, it's amazing the mileage. And this is not just a my truck. We have a uh, service, well, uh, a warehouse truck that we shuttle parts with. It's an old white Chevy. Have you ever seen it there? It's pretty rough, Sarah. Um, I don't think so. This truck has been worked like a rented mule. I mean, it has really served us for probably more than 15, maybe 16 years. I think it's got 340,000 miles on it. That truck has been meticulously maintained. We, uh, I talk a lot of times about um, trainers that we have come in, and my favorite trainer is out of Florida. He comes in several times a year, trains our team, makes sure we're on the cutting edge of things. And so we used this truck the last time he was in there. And when I tell you it looks like it's been worked, it's been worked over good. However, it mechanically is extremely sound. So he runs his test on there, and he's poking at Chevrolet. He's a, he's a Ford guy, by the way. And so he's making fun of Chevy and yada, yada, yada. He spends about 40 minutes, maybe an hour, trying to find something wrong with this truck and never does. And that is the epitome of maintenance and preventative care. That's a huge, huge thing. I see you over there reading a little bit. Do you got some questions over there? Yeah, this kind of falls into... What we're talking about okay. with 
buying pre-owned and making sure that you take care of your vehicle. We had a listener send in a question. Excellent. And I'm going to try to word it the way that they had worded it. Okay. Um, but they are interested in buying a pre-owned truck, and they wanted to ask you about mileage. Okay. And, um, you know, how much does mileage actually matter uh, when you take into consideration of buying a pre-owned vehicle? They were curious about highway miles versus in-town miles. And um, if there was a way to kind of differentiate, if if you can tell whenever you look at a vehicle, um, if there was more in-town miles versus highway miles, and if that matters. Okay. That's an awesome question. I know every like host, when they get a question, they always say that. But this one matters to a lot of people. So... Not only do you have mileage on later model, and I'm going to say 10 years old and newer vehicles, but a lot of times you have an hour counter. I don't know if you've ever seen that, especially Mm -hmm. trucks definitely have it. Um, You typically won't find it on passenger cars a lot, um, but it will tell you how many hours that engine has been running. So that will be a very easy way to differentiate whether it is highway miles or it is a lot of in-town running around stop-and-go driving. For instance... I bought a truck a few years back out of Texas from a gentleman that had an excavating company. And it's a three-quarter ton. It's an 06 F-250, long as a battleship. It's four-door with an eight-foot-long bed. So this thing is a monster. You don't park it in in, in anywhere that's not in the back 40. The reason that I bring this all up is the hour counter on that truck stops at 10,000 hours which means he was sitting in the truck a lot of times writing estimates. Mm. So idle time is a big thing as well. If you ever buy a a municipality vehicle, you buy it from, you know, we've got city utilities across the street, that kind of stuff. You need to pay attention to that because a lot of times it's not the miles. It's the hours that that truck just sat there and idled. And that's very challenging on a vehicle to run at idle for just eternity. That's why when you're mowing your lawn, you always run the mower at wide open throttle while you're mowing because you need that RPM to make the system work and keep cool correctly. Very similar deal. When you're at idle, the coolant's not moving as fast, et cetera, et cetera. I don't want to get too nerded out on you. So idle hours and runtime, very important. Mileage, still important, but not near as important as it used to be. So growing up as a kid, when a car got to 100,000 miles, people were done with it. They wanted to, to uh, get a new car. That is not the case now. If you've got a car to 300,000 and it's been well-maintained, I have a lot of confidence in those cars. So it is important, but if it's uh, 86 or older, the fuel injection did a much better job, and I probably need to step into a break, I'd imagine, I'll elaborate a little bit. I'll kind of nerd out on you guys a little bit so you understand right after the break. All right, welcome back. You've got Dustin and Sarah in here, A1 Custom Car Care. Sarah, give me just a brief overview of what we were talking about, if you don't mind. We had a listener ask a question. They were going to purchase a pre-owned vehicle, uh, specifically a truck, and they were asking about highway mileage versus town mileage, and they wanted to know if there was a way to kind of uh, differentiate, if you will, Um, between the two, and if it matters when purchasing a pre-owned vehicle. So 
Definitely um, not as much as it used to. And I'll try and make this description super brief and to the point. But on older vehicles, they did not control the fuel mixture very well. And I'm getting a little deep in the weeds, but I promise it matters. So if you had old carbureted stuff, which a lot of you out there probably have never even seen a carburetor, and that's cool, they were worn out because they didn't have things very finely tuned. It was a very sloppy system. So fuel injection came around mid-80s, late-80s. It was pretty much mainstream. That was a game changer. And so you went from high mileage, in my opinion, on the carbureted days of worn out at 100,000 to, you know, 150, 200,000 wasn't a big deal anymore. Now, as the iterations have continued to change or new model years and technology has come out there, it has really ramped that up. So in my opinion, 200,000 is not a high mile vehicle anymore. If you get in that two to 300,000 window, that's where I consider a vehicle high mileage. So uh, a mainstay in our company had been my previous service truck. It was a 09 F-250. It is a 5.4 3-valve gasoline engine. So at 300,000 miles, that thing still mechanically ran very, very well. Um, we had done some work to it, but it was original engine transmission. Um, we had put a transfer case in it, and I think we had put some bearings in the rear differential. But long story short, at 300,000, that was still making hundreds of mile trips a day every single week and doing it without much complaint. That's really what you're looking for. I know that's what I look for in any vehicle. It doesn't got to be a truck. I want to be able to drive it without complaint, without it leaving me stuck, with plenty of faith in the vehicle. That's huge. Big deal. So with it being in-town driving or highway driving, honestly, at this point, it really doesn't matter a lot. The one thing or two areas that I will see it matter is going to be on the steering and suspension. That's going to matter. A little bit maybe on some of the transmission maintenance as well. What I would almost want to look for a little bit more than whether it was in-town driving or highway driving is whether they towed with the vehicle. That's a big deal when you're talking about a truck or an SUV is if they did a lot of heavy towing or even uh, regular towing. Um, we had a truck come through the shop recently. It was a vehicle they had traded in. Um, it was a beautiful truck but it had leveling airbags on the rear of the truck, which is a great upgrade in my opinion. So basically, as you load down the tongue weight of the trailer, it squats typically the rear end of the truck, which takes weight off your steer axle. Well, those, those load bags sense that weight, and it, it inflates and levels the truck back out. Nobody is going to put that on a vehicle that they're just going to occasionally pull their boat with. Um, if they do, great, but that's very seldom. When I find that, it's typically somebody that's doing a lot of hauling. In this instance, um, I would imagine it had something to do with a horse trailer, stock trailer, some kind of farm use, which is great. That's fine. I, I appreciate all of our farmers tremendously. I like my steaks and my hamburgers and all that stuff just as much as the next fella. Um, but as I buy that truck, I'm not going to shy away from it, but I'm going to realize there's been more stress put on the final drive components, which would be transmission, transfer case, rear differential, U-joints, etc., that 
people didn't or wouldn't normally have to deal with. So I may have some either uh, premature uh, failure of components or additional maintenance that needs to be done. Miss Sarah, did any of that make any sense? Did I finally get to the point? Yeah, okay. I, I understood you. Do you think that that was a good explanation? I didn't realize it was a little bit long-winded. But for the folks looking to buy a new truck, are those thought-provoking ideas or things you need to look for that are important? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. And I think that it's interesting that you can actually tell how long a vehicle has been setting and yes. idling. I didn't know that. How do you, like, how do you see that? You just click through, you know, where you do your trip uh, yeah. monitor on a truck. That will be an additional prompt that comes through there. Huh. So you'll click through there. I, I wish I had remembered how many um, hours were on my last F-250, but um, it gives you a real good idea of kind of how that truck was used. You know, if somebody parked it in a, a field, just let it idle so the AC ran all the time. Those are all um, important things to consider. You know, say I am a, a police officer, for, for instance, and I'm changing my oil every 5,000 miles. Well, if I sat there and idled and I've got, you know, so many idle hours on there, that decreases the usable life expectancy of that oil. And you need to keep that in in uh, in mind. And I, I, bring, I bring the police officer thing up because when the new chargers came out, they had a ton of engine failures and camshaft failures. Um, some of my folks driving Hemis and other applications, it's just not cop cars that need to keep this in mind. They didn't do a good job oiling the cam at idle. And so on those, we had a ton of them fail. And still I see them. I had one last week um, that continued to chew up the cam because there was lack of lubricity because the oil pump's not running at a high rate at idle. So it just wasn't getting lubricated. So it didn't hang out and last very long. That's a huge, huge deal. So Miss Sarah, do we have any more questions or do I just keep going on my soapbox today? Well, I did have a question, a personal question, but okay. it doesn't necessarily fit the topic of the show. So would you prefer me to ask it now or next show? You know, let's just ask it. Let's see. I'll roll with it. Okay. So, you know, um, school is about to start. Oh, yeah. And Springfield is definitely um, a college town. Mm -hmm. It's got Drury and MSU, OTC, Evangel, and so on and so forth. Yes. And I was just kind of curious because I know that a lot of people do move uh, here uh -huh. during the school year from different parts of the state yep. as well as different parts of the country. They come to MSU and all the other schools. So what if you are moving out of state uh -huh. or maybe to a different part of the state? Okay. How do you find a reliable shop when you are moving? Okay. So that is a fantastic question, and we'll probably bring that into the next segment as well. But part of that is going to depend on what kind of vehicle you drive. Okay. So if you have a European import vehicle, so BMW, Mercedes, Audi, um, Volkswagen, all those, um, the cost of ownership of those vehicles is much higher. It just is as well as the education or the ability for your run-of-the-mill technician, and I don't mean that in any derogatory way, so if you're a technician out there, don't be sensitive on me. Um, if you are a just you know general service technician, 
you are not going to be very well versed on those vehicles. So you're not just going to take those cars to anybody. You're going to look for an import specialty shop, or you're going to look for a high-end repair shop, and then ask them, is this something you guys enjoy working on? And that's very important. Because if they say, eh, we really don't like those cars, don't take your car there. Don't. And I'll be honest, when you come into one of our facilities, if it's something that we don't enjoy working on, we're going to make a recommendation to who does. Because we want to make sure that we are providing a service at the level that we expect that service to be at. I hope that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So that's a small part. I'd say that's 20% of people that are moving have some kind of weird rando car. And you need to find a specific person to work on it. Secondly, for the rest of the folks out there that have an Asian vehicle, domestic, and I use domestic pretty liberally at this point right now because a lot of those are still made overseas, you're going to look for a repair shop and look kind of like you do with a restaurant. You know, what kind of cars are there and how long have they been sitting? I don't know. Do you ever drive by a shop and think, wow, they're busy? Do you ever see that, Sarah? Yeah, every once in a while. So then when you drive by again, I don't know, maybe I'm the only one that, that goes this deep. But if it's the same cars that are sitting there that you saw two weeks ago or a month ago, all right, there's something going on here. Because you'll notice at our shops, they pretty much turn pretty fast. You can't be without your car. What would you do if I said, oh, it's going to be a month and a half before you can have your car back, Sarah? What would that put you in? I mean, that would definitely make me panic. Luckily, and I know that this is definitely not everybody. I yep. do have a backup vehicle. That's awesome. It happens to be one of the station vehicles. Sure. Nonetheless. But then I would also run into problems with potentially one of these because they set quite a bit. That is true. I spent some time a couple of months out, a couple of months ago out there, putting new batteries in them, getting the tires aired up to make sure when you guys do need them, you guys can go. Huey was fantastic and helped me in the rain, by the way. Oh, I gotta, he's awesome. I got to put that out there, which was really cool. So my point is, is it's almost an interview process. As you drive through town, you're going to see shops. Um, in the, the, the day of the old interwebs now, you know, we got internet for everything. Um, you're going to see a lot of information out there. A lot of times they're going to be specific on their websites. There's going to be sometimes a question and answer. Hey, this is what we love. This is what we do. That's going to help you out tremendously as well as read the reviews with a little discretion because not everything that you read on a review is gospel. So we need to take, I think, our last break, and we'll be right back after this. All right. So, Miss Sarah, you had a fantastic question. Well, thank you. So to kind of uh, summarize it again, mm -hmm. I was asking how do you find a reliable shop when you are moving to another state or maybe to another part of state? Maybe you're relocating for work or school mm -hmm. or moving closer to your family. Regardless of what reason you're moving, how do you find a good shop that is going to be trustworthy? So since you brought that up while we were on the break, I was kind of rolling this around a little bit and thinking about some more ins and outs or do's and don'ts about it. So when I was trying to find a shop to go to work for, it's a lot it's a lot on the it's a lot on the same lines as that is. And so I interviewed and I had four offers and the closest like new employee or the veteran was 6 months at three of the four of those shops. Mm. And I'm like, "Hmm, okay, well maybe that's just how it is." 
Well, then I had interviewed at A1, and the closest new employee was 15 years. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And they went up from there on up to over 40 years. Wow. And so that's honestly why I took this job, actually, was that reason in particular, as well as they were willing to continue my education. Very important. You'll notice when you come into our facilities, typically all of our technicians and advisors have their photo on the wall and their credentials hanging below it, as well as a bio of what they like to do on their free time, a little bit about their family normally, and then how long they have been with us. So that was a huge, huge thing. I know I interviewed and had offers at several chain stores, which a lot of people default to, oh, I know this chain, or they advertise and I heard about them. And that they were all new people, and that wasn't what I wanted to be. I didn't want to just be this revolving shop-hopping thing, which is what a customer does as well. I know intimately four or five, six, well, almost 20 years ago at this point, of work that I have done for customers, and we've continued that for 20-plus years and longer. We have many three-generational families that we take care of. Um, you know, I can remember one where grandpa or, or dad at the time brought daughter to the store and said, hey, these are the people that take care of you if you need stuff. And then the mom later brought her daughter in, and we took care of all of them for my entire career. So length of... Folks that want to be a part of your team is very important, and I'm so proud to be a part of that. Um, we still have folks that are 30-plus-year employees in A1 Custom now. I'm working on 20, and I have many of them that are 10-plus years, which is a huge thing, so keep that in mind. Um, length of warranty is very important. Like the minimum or what most places give is a 12-month, 12,000-mile, 12, which is okay, that's a decent warranty. You get peace of mind for a year that they're going to stand behind their work. We offer a three-year, 36,000-mile warranty on most vehicles, and that's nationwide. So if you take a vacation and you're somewhere else and have a problem with any work that we did, we'll take care of it. Um, we have a company that handles all that for us, so that's a big deal. Um, so you're going to have to kind of interview a little bit, do some research. Uh, I talked about reviews a little bit earlier. Um, just understand that uh, there's two sides to every story. And, you know, if it comes in and it's something that I am not, um, I'm not willing to do, you know, I have folks that demand that you do a patch or a hack fix, and I won't do it because I know that that is not in the best interest, not only for the person operating that vehicle, but potentially I'm meeting them on the road. That's a big deal. I'm not doing a, uh, repair or a patch repair if I know that it is going to be uh, a concern safety-wise. I just won't do it. And you'll have folks that will write you bad reviews about it. And that's a bummer. But that still doesn't change my mind. I know what it takes to fix these cars. A1 Custom, as a company, we've set up the processes and procedures to do that at a very high level, and we're just not budging on it. Does that make me a bad, bad guy? You think no, I'm mean? not at all. Think I'm mean? Well, I know that if you get on A1's <laughs> reviews, there's a glowing one from me on there. Well, thank you Yes, very much. and I mean it, too. I appreciate that. I really that. do. because you guys, to us. You, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm a part of this show now. Yes. But, I mean, everything that I say 
about you guys is truth and honesty. And it's not just, sorry, Dustin, not just you. Absolutely. But it's Ryan and it's yeah. Troy and it's all of the guys over there. Yeah. And I've developed a relationship with them throughout these years of taking my vehicle there. And I trust every single one of you guys to work on it. So, yeah, if you get on your Google reviews, you'll see a very nice one from well, me. thank you. <laughs> and, and to that point that it is not just me and that that – it's really cool. I don't know if you've ever read a book, and I don't know how much soapbox time I have here. Um, there's a book out there by Jim Collins, um, and it's called From Good to Great, and it talks about different calibers of leaders. And there's folks that are great at doing. Like when you're in the room and you're with your team, man, everything's awesome. But the moment that you leave that room, everything falls apart. Have you ever experienced that? Mm -hmm. You kind of feel that. And then there's leaders that... I aspire to be, and I work towards every single day that, you know, we as a team, you know, take care of business in this manner. This is what we're about. This is who we are. That even when you walk away, things still take care of business. For instance, uh, I think my mom needed an oil change this, this week or last week. And I didn't call and be like, hey, it's my mom. Take care of her special treatment, blah, blah, blah. No, none of that. She went in took care of business. Uh, Troy actually took care of her. He's like, I saw me later. He's like, yeah, her car's in good shape. I talked to her about this and this. I didn't have to do anything. All that happened at a very high level, not just because it was my mom, but had anything gone wrong, I would have known about it immediately, obviously. But they took care of business and I didn't have to have any input in that. That's such a great um, thing to be a part of. You know, I have been, like I said, almost 20 years. I work very hard to be there for the guys and the gals when they get in a sticky situation. I definitely don't want to just leave them to the, the sticky situation, deal with it and let me know how it comes out. No, we're going to show up. We're going to deal with it. We're going to move on. But for them to be able to take care of business at a high level without that interaction is huge. And this really showed me this a little bit a while back. Um, we had some personal health issues um, right at a year and a half ago. We had a little girl. She's absolutely amazing and doing very well. But at the drop of a hat, I was gone for almost two months. That's a big deal. They all took care of business like nothing happened. And it was so awesome for the company to support me at that point in time. So just without strings attached, like, look, take care of business. We got this until you get back. That's what A1 Custom Car Care is about. That's a huge, huge deal. And on the flip side of that, you know, we've had folks go out with getting new knees and, and, you know, get pneumonia and all kinds of things, and we rally around and take care of them. So I'm very fortunate to be shoulder-to-shoulder uh, -shoulder with so many amazing people. And I hope you feel that when you walk into the stores. You know, I hope that's something that, you know, you notice. I don't know if you've ever walked into a business that was – not that. Can you feel that? Do you ever feel that, Sarah? Oh, definitely. And I know that um, you have a couple of new people over on your Southwest store mm -hmm. off of uh, Sunset. Yeah. And it's really funny because I, I just go in there like you guys are my family and yeah. just chit chat with sure. everybody. And uh, anyways, I have definitely dragged them into conversation 
And it's so funny because once I start doing that, once we start communicating, it's not just us communicating. It's the other people that are in yep. the waiting room, people that come in to pick up their vehicle and things like that. And it's just, um, that's another thing that I really like about A1 is that just really friendly environment. You know, it's no, it's never fun to go to an automotive right. shop. It's never fun to wait. But it's always really nice to just be surrounded by good, caring individuals. Well, and it gets tough. I mean, to your point, you know, we're in the business of problems. That's our entire business. So there's times where it's, you know, hard to find parts, hard to make it fit in the budget, hard to do, hard to diagnose, hard to get information, you know, so it, it's a tough gig and there are tougher gigs out there. I'm not saying that this is, you know, the toughest, but it ain't easy. But you better have the right people around you to deal with those problems. When you're in a problem business, you better have people that are problem solvers. And and that's a fantastic part of who we are. Um, you know, everybody thinks that we're perfect. Well, I say that, everybody. They expect a perfect outcome every time. And I would love to be able to sit here right now and tell you, yeah, we're 100% perfect every time. But we're not. What we are devoted to is learning from those issues dealing with those issues, not burying our head in the sand and thinking, oh, that customer just going to go away, leave us a bad review, and we'll get another one. No, that's not who we are. We are going to deal with those, learn from them, and continue to get better and better every day. And that's all I can really ask to be a part of. I don't want to be part of a stagnant company. I will not be part of a stagnant company, period. That will never be when I'm 70 years old and you know maybe I'm working on hovercrafts at that point. I will never stop learning, and I don't want to ever be part of a company that stops learning. Miss Sarah, I enjoyed this very, very much with you as always. Well, I hope you have a good rest of your weekend. You as well. Uh, Stay hydrated. It's going to be hot. It is. You all out there, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week.